You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26ers, welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and I have with me this evening, Demarcus Adisa, producer extraordinaire, for another installment of Extraordinary Occurrences. What's going on? Not much. Uh, here on a Sunday night in 26 Ventures Soundstage in the studio, making it happen. What's cracking? Yeah, it's been a while since we uh, since we've done one of these. We keep trying to stick to like a specific schedule, but just oh life man. don't happen. Our calendars like it's specific just so so much happening that it, it's actually probably harder than people realize for us to actually sync our schedules to be able to do this. Right, because if it's not work, sometimes it's just I'm tired. Yeah, I mean, when you finally get a moment to breathe, um, what, what I'm finding, like the older I get, that my brain, when I finally get a moment to breathe, my brain is not firing on all cylinders in the way that it used to. Um, so I need some time to like recharge and all of that. It's very true. I, I, I believe like your body has an elasticity to it, like that causes you to snap back. And the older you get, uh, the more loose that elasticity is. You don't snap immediately back like you do when you're younger. Like it's it goes from to and it might not even touch it. Just what was those things when we were kids? The paddle with the uh, ball that you got from south of the border. South of the border on the way back. Which I understand they are now closing, or they might have closed already. Yeah, I think they're closing. End of an era. And for those of you who are not familiar, south of the border is where everybody from New York, New Jersey, and everywhere else would stop in South Carolina to get their fireworks before coming back. Fireworks Uh, and toys. Like little tchotchkes that probably would be broken by the time you made it back home or wherever your destination was. That's a fact. I definitely broke the window in our apartment in Ten Pines with a slingshot that I got from south of the border. Fun times, though. <laughs> I, I don't remember you breaking the window, but I, I don't remember a lot. You you remember all those things. It's all a blur for me. I don't know if it's because I was older. I was just privy to a lot more. I, I don't know. But like, I don't have the recollection that you do. I think you blocked out the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. That's, that's probably more accurate, for sure. Yeah, I remember. I think the most surprising thing about that is I didn't get touched after that happened. I knew for sure I was going to get a beating, and I don't think it ever happened. I think I was just yelled at. I was like, wow, <laughs> she must just be tired, because usually it would be... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, no slander on the December 26th podcast. No parental slander, but hey, it That's is what it is. See, this is my gripe with parents. Parents be having revision. They talk about kids have revisionist history. Parents have revisionist history. You know what I mean? And uh, the way I look at it, some, I mean, during them times, some things deserve the whooping to come after them. <laughs> like, I don't tell, I don't told you. You know, but we live in a different day. I'm not condoning, uh, what do they call it, corporal punishment? Different day and time. Different day and time. That's not how it goes down now. Love you, mom. Yeah, no, we, we don't. We do not condone or endorse that in 2022. But at the time, for a plethora of reasons, from a cultural perspective, that is what was going going on for, for some of us. Not me, because, you know. That's what I was just about to say. Alicia ain't never got a beat in her life. <laughs> She doesn't know about that life. She's never a switch, a belt. None of that has never touched her skin. No, I was the kind of kid. Just kind of talk to me once. Don't raise your voice. None of that. I didn't need any of that. Me, on the other hand, (laughs) (laughs) I know about all those items very well. For sure. For sure. So what have you been up to? Working, um, you know, always trying to build a business, um, keep these projects coming in. Um, I think since we... Last talk, I did a uh, like a little docu short uh, for uh, my alumni chapter going over the culture, like the history of the chapter, because it was our 95th anniversary. Um, and that was like a really fun project. Um, 95 years to be doing anything is a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, highlighting that and doing it in a way that's Interesting. It was it was fun not only highlighting it, but figuring out a way to do it to make it interesting that for people who are not involved with the chapter, people who are not in a fraternal organization or sorority or care, like doing it in a way 
um, that would make it interesting to everyone that was at the gala. So, you know, I put a lot of work into it and it went over very well. I mean, got picked up by Watch the Yard, um, got a few thousand views, you know what I'm saying? A heavy likes, but it was a dope project to work on. Congrats on the pickup from Watch the Yard. Shout shouts out to y'all that watch the yard. So, I mean, should we talk about uh, the thing that you're considering with respect to your career, uh, i.e. going back to school? Well, you already said it now. you like, should we talk about the thing, i.e. and let the cat out the bag now? I mean, you were looking confused. I was like, maybe he doesn't know where I'm The going. cat, I knew exactly what you was talking about. The cat is sitting on the table right here like, <laughs> so you're not going to acknowledge me? This is this is a live, so if you want to, no, no, we could talk about it. <laughs> we could talk about it. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I've, I mean, I've always known it. Uh, I love stories, man. Like ever since I was a kid, like History Channel, Discovery Channel, all that. Um, I won't say I was the most voracious reader as a kid. I wouldn't read any and everything, but the things that interest me, I would blaze right through. Um, and I'm and I, you know, these past few months for sure, I've definitely thought. Uh, more about, you know, taking that leap and possibly going back to school, graduate school um, to get in the master's in fine arts uh, for filmmaking, because um, I'm interested in not only documentaries, but, you know, telling these stories. Yeah. I mean, listen, when, when you told me, I think it's fabulous idea. You can pay me personally to go back to school at this juncture. But I think for what you you couldn't pay her because she already getting paid. Yo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I done seen some of them stubs. She's already getting paid, y'all. That's a lie. What have you ever seen a stub of? I've never seen a stub. I'm joking. Like (laughs) it's a joke or whatever. Um, and don't don't take this and think you could jump on the phone and ask for money because people got student loans and taxes and all that. Money come in and it go and it go right back out. So many things. (laughs) So if you listen to this, she ain't got it. I Don't know. even fix your lips. <laughs> she ain't got it. The aspirations of being a single black professional female seemed great many years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, this is a lot. Um, but still I rise. In any event, back to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea for for what you want to do long term. Um, what I'm interested to see is sort of how that plays into the momentum that you're building, you know, scheduling and everything else that you have going on as well. But I, I fully support uh, going back to film school for sure. And, you know, you hear a lot of pe- people say I've had a lot of conversations um, with different people, some people who work in media and who've done it on a on a big level. It's one thing to talk to, you know, Joe Blow off the street, but it's another thing to talk to somebody who's worked on a project, you know, with a six figure, seven figure budget. Um, and thing that you realize is the thing that I've taken away is like, you know, in order to be an ex, it's not the only way, but the traditional way and the way that has worked for most people in order to become an expert as somebody at something is to sit up under someone who's an expert at something and learn the theory and the fundamentals and the things behind it to become really good at that. Not to say that you can't do things on your own, because look, what we doing right here, a bunch of things on our own, but um, to be successful and to kind of master something, kind of got to submit yourself to the process of being molded in something. And the, the dilemma oftentimes with a lot of things where we are now is like, you see people jumping past it, um, but, um, and figuring out ways. And that, that's that's perfectly fine as well. But I think the dilemma for most people is not necessarily the time, just the money aspect of right. it. Like, do I want to go back and spend this time getting this piece of paper and possibly add six figures worth of loans at the end of my name or whatever tied to my social security number? Something that I'll never be able to get off. You know what I mean? My, um, you can't, my credit report, because you can't, uh, file bankruptcy for student loans like they're not going anywhere but like I think it's just a gamble and like a chance taking that having that belief in yourself like I'm going to work this out right and that's actually a great point to congratulate Hans Charles oh yeah shout out to you Hans congratulations on uh, the docuseries we need to talk about Cosby that, that was heavy. That, that was heavy. Yeah. And if, if you recall, when he came on the show, he said, I'm working on something major. I can't say what on the recording, um, but I'm working on something. And yeah, that did you watch the entire thing? I watched the entire thing. I thought it was, a, you know, I'm a documentary fiend. So mm-hmm. as soon as I heard about it, I saw it. I jumped right on it. And I think it was very well put together. Yeah. I mean, it's for, for me. And I think you mentioned this, too, previously. That the preliminary, like sort of the buildup 
I almost forgot like how many doors he had kicked in with respect to black people and representation within film and, and television right. in a leading role. Like what he really done, what he really did and how he changed and shifted the culture within media. Um, so to sort of have that backdrop first and laying that foundation and then talking about the stories of these women and putting them front and center and the similarities Whew, and everything that they were talking about, it, it was a lot to take in. But the, the docuseries itself, really, really well done, for sure. Yeah, I, I think I love documentaries that give full context to everything. And I know I'm not a Bill Cosby apologist, but like you, you have to t- if you're going to talk about Bill Cosby and what he did in his life and his career, you got to tell the whole story. Right. And I think a part of it is when you tell, give the whole context, okay, this guy from Philadelphia who becomes a comedian, works his way up into the mainstream, sells all these records, tries and fails a few times to like cross over into movies, but finds his way in television and shifts his image to this family guy, this educational guy. Like it gives more context to the story and how he could get away with something like being a sexual predator for so long because your public image is America's dad. America's people feel like they know you, but we don't actually ever know a celebrity for real. We know the image that gets projected out to the world. And then obviously if you are somebody of status and you're super successful, you understand how people could try to quiet and hush these stories down because they don't want the money train to stop. Right. And someone brought that up. One of the, the folks who were interviewed, who was interviewed and that they said that there's no way that this could have happened without people who were helping to facilitate it. Right. The models coming on set, you know, everything that's sort of happening behind closed doors. And I think that's the case whenever these folks in the industry get in a position of power. There's when you when you are in the entertainment business and, and a lot of high profile industries, sports, whatever, you have so many handlers. I don't know that anything goes on that at least one other person doesn't know about. You're too famous to be walking around just sitting there. You're too busy. Like, mm-hmm. imagine, like, <laughs> like, imagine if you had, like, I don't know, if you had, like, a coke habit or something. And you're a celebrity. You really got time to be driving down to whatever neighbor somebody helped to pick that up. You know, seeing face risk of being robbed. No, you get an assistant to go do that. Like, well, I you mean, order- you know, <laughs> they, they talk about, um... You've heard about like people having a body man, like whose whole job is right. to carry the drug on tour. Right, like they're just getting everything. They shopping, getting all the stuff. You got like a task rabbit for your drugs because <laughs> you don't have time to be figuring out who got what. Just I'm, bring not, it to I'm not laughing at drug use. Right, task rabbit for drugs. Just leave me. It's even, it, even. I mean, even not even that. Like, take it a step further. Maybe not as extreme, but like a lot of these people don't do their own laundry. They don't even shop like that for right. real. Like they may go do some shopping, but a lot of them have stylists, people who work for them. Steve Harvey has a stylist, someone that he probably goes and see every, you know, every week, every other week that lays a bunch of clothes out that they have procured for him. And then he makes some decisions and bounces. He's not handling any money exchange, but like everything is a process because he's somebody that's busy. Or whatever. He doesn't have the time to be going through the stores and figuring out what's trendy. He has to have somebody think for him. In the same way, I can see somebody like Bill Cosby, you know, running all these shows, you know what I mean? Scripts, ideas, this, that, and other. He ain't got time to be trying to scout all these things, but he on the set. Oh, I like her, her, her. Telling to the person, like, hey, make sure those ones come to my room mm-hmm. or whatever, and X, Y, and Z. We saw it with R. Kelly. The thing I didn't like about that R. Kelly doc is this. Um, but I feel like they did a good job with, with this one, like the horrific stories, right? What these women had to experience. But again, who these people are making contact so you can better understand how something like this can happen and how it can go on for so long for people who are not familiar with who they were. Like you got some people, I mean, you were born in 2000. You're not really familiar with how big of a deal R. Kelly or Bill Cosby was right. at one point in time, how influential, how powerful these people were. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know about, like, all the failed movies that he had trying to find his footing. Right. You know what I mean? I just re- always remember him being on TV, Jello Pudding. Cosby Show. I just always remember him being around. I don't know anything about that, them 70s years when he was trying to rebrand himself. Right. So I wasn't exactly. here for it. Exactly. But listen, I mean, it was it was really I, I, I didn't need to be convinced with respect to the allegations, but it was 
eye opening just to hear these women, you know, over the decades tell well, their their stories. And you know, I'm, I'm I'm a firm believer. People could say it's a conspiracy, it's a hit job, it's whatever. But that many people telling the same or similar <laughs> stories, like where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not laughing at the story, but I'm just. Like you said, if that many people tell a story like anything else, if somebody if you kept hearing that somebody was a thief, like, yo, this dude steal. Everybody said that this dude steal. You wouldn't be like, nah, y'all lying. You know what I mean? You'd be like, even though he might not have stole for you, be like, I don't know if I want this dude in my house, like unattended. Like if he come over, like, let's go to the store. Nah, hang around. No, no, no. Come with me. <laughs> let's go to the store. Everyone is saying the same thing about a person. Like, you should at least look into it, like have some precaution, especially they telling the same story. Right. Exactly. People are like, ain't no way. It's like, bro, like 70 something women have come forward and have set. And what we know about sexual abuse is if 70 something people have come forward, it's hundreds, if not probably thousands of people who didn't say anything at all. Very true. Because people that was brought up. too, Right. Because people with this type of behaviors like they can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. This is what they do. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to Hans. Great, great work there. Definitely got four hours of my time for longer, however long. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually a great segue into another controversial figure uh, whose or portion of whose uh, documentary has dropped. Wake up, Mr. West, Mr. West. Kanye West, (laughs) genius. Part one on Netflix right now. I I know you have seen it already. Oh, yeah, I saw it. I watched it twice. Oh, you, you made the second go around. Yeah, I watched it twice. I watched it uh, yesterday again. It was kind of like background, but I was looking at it. I just like how they put it together. So so thoughts on on the content and the timing of it being released? I think it's like great timing with everything that's going on. Why not? I mean, it was already scheduled to come out now anyway, but but everything's going on around him is just like perfect because people, people are trying to figure out why he is the way he is. Um, so it's giving some sort of context and you're getting to see another side. And again, people haven't been paying attention to the journey. Everybody's not privy to his story. You know what I mean? I feel like he's somebody who, I mean, he is bipolar, if I'm not mistaken. But he's somebody that's very complex that gets written off. It's just always crazy. He's just got a lot going on. It's multiple things that have fed into him being who he is. And I don't think you become an artist and become that rich and stay sane. Yeah. Well, let, let me start with this. Speaking for me personally, I think... Kanye has some severe mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that point aside, what's happening and what's playing out between him and his estranged wife, that is just off the rails, right? There's no instance in which I condone what he's doing to her right. at, at the moment. And, and I think he's really unwell. I think he needs an intervention he's probably never going to get. Um, so that... That whole thing that's happening with him posting all these things in all caps and making veiled threats and all this stuff or not so veiled. I don't even know at this point because I've stopped sort of following that saga. Um, That part for me is like this is starting to feel dangerous. Yeah. Right. Uh, So however one might feel about Kim Kardashian and that family, nobody should be harassed in that way. Right. Right. The marriage is over. It's just over. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. But so so I've had to sort of separate that piece and what's playing out publicly um, from the work that that is this amazing documentary that has been, what, 20 years in the making at this point? Yeah, I think it is like um, 20 years in the making. Yeah, so just want to put that out there as a sort of disclaimer, but... Damn, you're a lawyer. <laughs> and you're a good lawyer. Because you got me sitting there thinking like, what did I just... Hold on, hold on. You got to do it. You got to do it, man. So, but that point aside, um, I agree with you, the way that it was put together, or it has been to date, because we haven't seen the other parts, um, we don't have those plugs yet. I'm hoping that, you know, we get to the point where people see us as legitimate media outlet and we get right we get the advanced viewing options uh, that's, that's really I'm not even really in this for fame but access would be good that would be good it would especially be dope. the things that we're into but in any event we saw part one watched that separately um, but I think for me like it was really fascinating to hear him and the people who believed in him talking about things that everybody else couldn't see that we've now seen seen material right. like that part was just so inspiring like to to watch understanding like he's playing Jesus walks for people and like it's easy now you and I were having this conversation offline it's easy now in hindsight after knowing how 
big that song is or was to be like, how could people not realize this was a hit? Right. But you have to like remember what was hot at the time. He was just on a different wave on a lot of different, a lot of different ways. So, you know, to watch people just sort of dismiss him like, yeah, 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 whatever. Do you have any beats for me, though? And watching his face just being those awkward, you know, moments like in the Rock Nation offices and trying to rap for people. And they're like, bro, keep it moving, keep it moving Um, to now being one of the biggest artists in the world. Problematic characteristics aside, um, you know, that piece of it, just to have that documented history of just being a relative nobody, then you become known for your work as a producer and you're gaining no recognition as a, as a rapper. Um, and then what the career for him has really, really become um, is that first, that first part of this. I can't wait to see the rest. And also it, it was heartbreaking to see his mom because when he went to his mom's apartment so if you haven't watched it yet spoiler alert spoiler alert um but you might want to pause this until you do but when he went to his mom's apartment uh with he said oh mom there's company with me by the Mm -hmm. way and you could just tell his spirit was a bit heavy and the way she built built him back up Mm -hmm. and then the additional exchanges that they had in that that part one it it really confirmed what I already knew to be true and that his mom was such a grounding force for him. In addition to being a motivator and sowing all these seeds into him, she grounded him in a way that when she passed away, I firmly believe that triggered a mental health event that he has not been able to come back from. And I think it's been written about or people have talked about it, but like I'm no expert on mental health, but I do believe that you can have mental health issues and disorders that are triggered by something traumatic. And it's not something that you can just, it's not a jack in a box. You just can't close the box. Like once it's open, it needs to be managed and it needs to be treated. And I do feel like that is what happened, you know, at least with losing his mom, God knows what else he's experienced. Right, we don't you'll, even know. You'll, we'll never know until long after a bunch of people are dead. Right. Exactly. Um, but I definitely I've seen exactly what you're talking about happen to people I know up close and personal. So I know that's a very real thing, how something can be triggering to someone and open up a part of their mind that might not be open or some underlying problems become I won't call them problems, but issues or pre-existing conditions be exacerbated. Yeah. I mean, so for me, I, I tend to walk away. This is really what was interesting for me. Um, I, I tend to walk away from those types of documentaries like amped, like, oh, this is pushing me to go even harder. Like you, you got to know within yourself what you were called to. And even if nobody else believes it, you got to speak with confidence and continue to declare it. I think this time all of that is true. Um, but it really affirmed for me the importance of having balance right? and the importance of making sure that your mental well-being is in a good place, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, et cetera. That is equally, if not more important than just striving and being obsessive about goals and what you feel like you've been put on this planet to do. Um, and that's really what I'm walking away with this, uh, walking away from this with already. And I haven't even seen the other parts, just like all this talent, all this drive, all this belief in oneself. But if you are not mentally and emotionally well, what profit, Amanda, you know? Right. But I, I, I kind of feel like, um, that's a part of being an artist, mm-hmm. right? Because you can see certain through lines. It's kind of always been the same person. And what artists and creative ain't got a little bit of off to them. That's what makes the art interesting half the mm-hmm. time. Huh? You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't, like you said, there, there there does have to be a balance too, and some people do it better than others. But I feel like I was listening to a podcast of The Bridge with Nas. He was talking to one of his brothers. He was like, to be creative, you got to be delusional. He's like, we all got like these, all, every creative has these delusions about themselves because you have ideas about things and what should be, things are not in the fruition. You kind of bring those delusions and you make them tangible when you create your art or whatever. You make them firm ideas. And I think with Kanye, right, like you can see the seeds of things being there, but people are probably just thinking like, yo, that's just Kanye being Kanye. But it's different when you get on this platform and you you're at the level of fame to where he is now have the money that he does how now now how do you reel that in and how do you do that 
And furthermore, it's like uh, me and Brandon, shout out to Brandon, we're, we're talking about this. It's like, how do you reel somebody's in that's been right? Like Kanye has been wrong about a lot of things, like every one of us and decisions in our life. But he's also been right about a lot of things. And the same time, he may say something that's absurd and preposterous. Like, yo, bro, how could you even say something like that? He'll say something on the other hand that's wise or almost like predicting something or whatever. So you have a person that ha- that's been right about a lot of things and ha- ha- has had success who, aside from a parent or a mother or a childhood friend, could really reel you in where you've been right and had this amount of success where you made this many hit records. You, you sold this much stuff. You've had this influence on culture, art and made a gazillion dollars in the process. It's like, yeah, a random therapist off the street. Like, yeah, maybe you should talk about and you're looking at them like maybe you should shut up because I'm right most of the time. Yeah. And I have all the the in, in this Western society when people be talking about success and bag chasing, like these are all the items that confirm that I'm right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I guess, you know, for me, it's like, I don't know if it's the empath in me or mm-hmm. what, but I'm like, there are so many things that he's, you're right, that he's called effectively and he shifted the culture and the shoes and the fashion and all the money right. that he's made. But I, th- I think that he goes to such a mentally dark place. What does this, for me, it's like, what does this mean for Kanye long term? Right. Right. Like, how does he find some semblance of balance in the midst of this extreme success, all of this talent, but really having very public meltdowns? And if this is what's happening publicly, what's happening behind the scenes? And with your mother gone, where is, to your point, where is the grounding force with someone that can say like, bro, you need help. You need help, you know? And, And so all the... Trump, I won't even get into the Trump stuff aside because I really was like, OK, I'm not on this Kanye train when that when that started right. happening and all of that. Um, but watching what has been happening and playing out in real time, like I'm scared for him and I'm scared right. for honestly the people around him that he he cares about as well, because people make crazy decisions in the middle of uh, a men- mental health crisis uh, like that. But all of that aside, you know, to see the the beauty in sort of what he built from the beginning and the belief in himself, I'm I'm hoping um, that he can find some peace in his life. Me too. And I and I understand people saying they're done with Kanye. They don't roll with him. All this dude crazy. I I can kind of understand that. But also, again, putting the whole thing story in the context, like kind of what you were getting at at the beginning, is like I was like 14 when Kanye dropped his first album. I know what things were like pre-Kanye. Most of the artists out was shooting guns and get, he came out with his government name, just being a regular person, like out wearing polos and stuff like that. He really shifted the culture and shifted a lot of things for people. So I feel like even as wild as Kanye is, I always pay attention because it's just like, yo, he's the guy, at, for, at least for me, he's the guy from my era, my formative years, like my my high school years. And I hope, uh, to your point, like he finds some sort of like peace before something, because we've seen with many black celebrities and many black icons, like it go left and they never come back or they die tragically or something. Yeah. Like that's a very real thing. I'm not wishing this on him, but like things like that happen. Right. Exactly. And that that's all I'm saying. Like the output, the creative genius, none of that trumps your ability to be here right. and be healthy and, you know, and be well and live a, a, a fruitful life outside of just what you can put out in the world, what what you can create that other people can consume. So. Right. Um, so, yeah, I hope I hope there's there's help there. And I only got one gripe with that documentary, um, how they shot it. They kept talking about he moved to New York. He moved to New York. He did not move to New York. He moved to Newark, yes. New Jersey. That every time they show him in that apartment, he is in Newark. New Jersey, okay? And you know what's crazy is like, I know a lot of musicians. So, right. you know, for years they were talking about Kanye moving and shaking in Jersey, living in North, that same thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I just sort of, you know, I didn't think they were lying per se, but I didn't realize how deep he was, you know, actually in, in Newark and, and making moves on this side of the Hudson. And I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret, people who don't know. A lot of people who maneuver and shake 
in New York live in New Jersey. Absolutely. Like it's everybody's, it's like the dirty little secret. Your favorite artists, when they first start popping, if they from New York, a lot of times they will move them to New Jersey to get them out of their neighborhoods. Cause you're just close, to, you're far enough. You got the water separating you, but you're just close enough to get back. Plus during those times, it was probably super affordable for them to be in Newark. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So he was stretching that money to be do the extra things that he needed to do versus having an apartment in Manhattan. You know what I mean? Because if you live in Newark, you know, depending on what type of day, what time of day it is, 30 minutes, you drive into the yeah. city, you there. That's why this whole trope about like, oh, the bridge and tunnel folks, like they don't have the class and all the stuff. People in New York it, or the swag. Most bridge and tunnel folks are people who either have either lived in New York at some point, could live in New York if they wanted to, like, but don't. It, it's so many folks here, even people that I know who used to talk about Jersey with such disdain have now moved here. I don't listen to New Yorkers. Like, you got the lifers who ain't never going to leave, but most of the time when people get a little bit of bread, they get married, they start looking for a house, they're like, I'm going to move to Jersey and just yeah. commuting. Property taxes are crazy out here. Right. But... You know, the square footage and the ease of commuting and the school system like people in some places, people are, are here for that. But aside from the New Jersey erasure, that's the term that, you know, the young folks like to use and everything erasure. Aside from that, it's been dope. I, I can't wait for the next two episodes. Yeah, looking forward uh, to the, the next parts. I'm about to go back to real life, so we'll see when I get to actually watch right. them. Um, but looking forward to seeing those and also like what's next on the horizon. You know, I live for the major documentary releases, so I feel like I've gotten a little bit spoiled with the Cosby doc and now uh, Genius coming out. I'm like, what's the next one? Because, you know, it's, it's rare you get Two really great bodies of work back to back. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. A lot of documentaries are trash. Oh, terrible. A lot of trash. Documentaries seem like they're very easy to make, but they're not. They're very complicated. I ain't no big documentarian, but I've done it before, not on a grand scale. It's hard to tell us, interview people and to find a story, having a story that's engaging in all parts of the story. That's why I feel like most documentaries, they start off phenomenally and oh, then somewhere in the middle, they sputter out like they lose it. It is the worst. It, it's like the equivalent of you started a term paper too late and the first part of the paper is beautiful and then like you're running on a deadline and you've got to finish it on the bus on the way to school. So at the end, <laughs> it's just like, and in conclusion, which is some sentences. Right. I, you start looking at the word count. Like, uh, <laughs> they said it had to be thousand words. I'm at 890. In conclusion, this, <laughs> in conclusion, my thoughts on the subject matter at hand. Yeah, that is the majority of documentaries, which I, I've watched. I won't say them on here because we just know so many people now. I'm like, I don't know who's affiliated with what. But I've watched a couple of documentaries since we've been home in this pandemic that I was really looking forward to. And the first part is just so well done. And then it all just, I don't know what happens. It just literally just dies in the middle. And then they just kind of rush through the last few years of the story. Um, so yeah, when something is is really good from beginning to end, that that's no small feat in the documentary space. It's not, and I think some of that has to do with planning and like research, especially if you're doing a documentary about somebody who's no longer with us. Planning, research, and money. Right. I think it's, right. it's a budget issue a lot of the times too. People just, you know, they get the money to start and if you're not someone who has the full coffers, to have all the resources that you need from start to finish, which is not the case for a lot of documentaries. They're raising and, you know, trying to finance things as they go or working on something over a number of years. It can be very hard to subsidize something at a high quality for the entirety of the project. That's a fact. Yeah. Did you watch the DMX documentary? I have not watched the DMX documentary because I don't know what it is about DMX it's just so heartbreaking. Like his story is so heartbreaking to me. Like when they aired his his service and they had that picture of him as a little boy, mm -hmm. like, you know how the stage had like the photos around mm -hmm. it. It really like broke my heart. And and I so I haven't watched the documentary yet because like I know it's going to be painful to watch. Right. Um, and I just I haven't checked it out. And I think part of it is just because, like, I wholeheartedly believe that DMX was going to be a preacher one day <laughs> had he lived to, to see it. Um, so I still feel like underneath it all, it, he just had so much more purpose outside of just being who he was as an artist. It's amazing. Again, culture shifting 
artist, his his life has so many more chapters and iterations of DMX, Earl Simmons, right, as we know him um, as well. So I have not watched it yet because I feel like it's going to, like, press me in a sense. And you, you're the one who told me, like, it's a lot. So Yeah, well, I, I won't go into it and ruin it for you. But the ending was just like, it was sad. Uh, it was it was really sad because, again, it's part of our era, it's part of our childhood, knowing everything that DMX went through um, and the things that he battled. And then just you, you realize somebody like DMX is a microcosm of the macro, a broader problem. This is a the real life humanized results of policy, mm-hmm. institutional racism, all these different things, drug war. All This is how it can affect somebody in their life and their families. And a lot of times, like you see reports or you watch news reports, or you read articles, they speak in these broad terms. But like it's people like DMX or relatives or friends that humanize like these stories or whatever. I remember when um last year, when when um dad passed away. I was talking to my homeboy. His father passed away when he was young, too. And I'm like, it was, it was a, it's probably in bad taste, but I kind of made, I was like, you know, you realize like both, neither one of us have our fathers because somebody decided that they didn't want communism or socialism to spread in Central America. And he was like, he thought about it. He was like, yeah, I never really thought about it like that, but it's the truth. Like, there would now we know now because of the books, shows like Snowfall, like cocaine came into the country because of, um, you know, they're trying to fund these these uh, these contras down there to fight back socialism and the spread of the So, you know, Cold World, Cold War things. That's a high level. But the, the low level of it is you have a whole generation of black folks who have lost family members to substance abuse, to violence or to prison. Mm-hmm. You know, and like people forget it's like a high level thing, but it's a low level thing. Sometimes when you watch some of these documentaries, you watch some of these shows, it, they talk about it like it's an abstract thing. Or they talk about people like, oh, man, what's wrong with him? What's wrong? Yeah, he's done some things wrong, but it's a systematic, a broad problem that has caused this person to be like this and gone down this path. Yeah, you have to take ownership and accountability, but it's like, man, you born with some crazy odds against yourself. Yeah, I mean, and since one byproduct of the show is that I've met so many other um, black professionals, but really black professional women. Mm -hmm. And throughout my career, I've always sort of been like the only or one of a few. Or I've been in a situation where I felt like I couldn't relate to Mm -hmm. the black women that I that I worked with. And through this show, I've just made some amazing connections. But to your point, when I sit down and I talk to these folks more deeply and get into their story, separate from the show where we break bread together, you realize the ties that bind you in a way that like sometimes you feel like it's only you, like it's only your family who's been impacted in this way and not realizing just the way you had to crawl and, you know, fight your way out of these circumstances. (laughs) So like you said, a whole generation of people who look like you who've done the same. And I feel like we're just getting to a point where people feel like there's the stigma is lifted and they can talk about it. Right. Before, you know, you you learned how to walk the walk, you learn how to talk the talk and assimilate in a way where people would never question what you might have experienced in, or witnessed in childhood or things that might have touched your family because your life is so far from that, just completely removed from that that story. And I, and I think you learn your condition as a black person to play into that. Right. You you don't show what's behind the curtain. You don't talk about what you've had to overcome. And and some people, it's not even because they're necessarily embarrassed, but they don't want to be held up. Right. As some example of what's possible in spite of the odds, because that happens too. they start to look at you as like, well, look at what they've been able to do. In spite it's of like, bro, you're not about to turn me into some show pony exactly. and trot around like, no, nah, we're exactly. not doing that. But I think, you know. What I have learned in the four plus years of doing this show is that over time, I've seen people get more and more and more comfortable with being candid about what they've experienced. And a lot of times, as much as people talk about on this show, we hit that stop button and we keep in touch with folks. You realize it's really only a very small percentage of their story. Surface Um, level. Yeah. So I. I never expected to bond with people like over some of this stuff, but it's you're right. It's a whole generation has been impacted 
by these things. And if it's not directly, they're only one degree removed from it. Right. right. We all know somebody if it wasn't you, um, your family specifically. So it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. It, it's crazy. And I think the interesting thing, of, I feel like we do a good job of this show and you're starting to see more of it because people are being more open. You're starting to see like a spectrum of things like I always tell people when I do the informational calls, or like I talk about how we were raised and like, you know, I thought I had a normal childhood or whatever. Not to say that I had a bad childhood, but there were some things about our, my childhood that I'm realizing as an adult that weren't normal, you know, that were sort of different, but they didn't necessarily fit the stereotype of what you see mm-hmm. on TV. Right. So you have a person, you have a parent who has substance abuse issues. It doesn't affect you. It affects you directly, but not in the way they're showing on TV because I'm not waking up in the morning, you know, to my mother crying, my dad done took something, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not that, but it affects you in a different way. And you, I don't even know that I fully comprehended, like, the impact of these things until I became an adult, because you read it off like, well, I didn't have to deal, there was no gunfire outside of my house. There right. was no, I wasn't stepping over, like, junkies coming, can't use that term, drug people who, you know, have substance abuse issues. When I was coming out the door, I didn't have to worry about going to the corner store and something happening to me. Or whatever, but like that doesn't minimize my story at all. You have different struggles. Granted, you know you have food on the table, you have lights, but there's different issues that you deal with, and you're still impacted like those people who live in those communities, but just in a different way. Yeah, for sure. And I, I remember, like, I've talked to multiple friends who both their parents are professionals. Like, so you know, I'm thinking. Okay, you know, we we grew up differently. Right. And then I get more into their story and realize, oh no, one parent was a functioning alcoholic. Never lost their job. But, you know, so there's so many different uh, to your point stops on the spectrum where what you s- might have seen growing up as opposed to like urban, you know, urban blight or right. whatever. If if it wasn't that, it was like, oh no, my child was pretty stable, right? It w- it was cool. Not realizing how those things have really impacted you and the way you move through life, whatever unresolved issues you may have emotionally or mentally as well. I think there are a lot of people who look like us with that story. They walked the line. It may not have been the worst upbringing, but they've been impacted negatively, whether they realize it or not, by some of the things that have, you know, visited their 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 door as a child. Right. Because I, I think Quay and I would always joke about this. Quay would be like, for somebody who grew up in a small suburban town, you're really black. <laughs> <laughs> like what you mean? So I think I would think you was from like where I was from. I was like, you gotta remember, like my family is still a black family. You know what I mean? Like we grew up with our grandparents, aunts and uncles, people that were coming. Who we go to church with is black folks. So you are gonna come in contact with everything, right? And I mean, it's still gonna be varying degrees of what you see, but it's all like you said. It's always gonna be somebody around that has some sort of form of substance abuse issue. You just might not be privy to it because you're a kid and people are trying to shield you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it, it's 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 definitely an interesting thing. And I think this show, not only our show, but uh, different shows out there, media, people are doing a better job of telling these stories, having a better understanding. And also just the stigma of around a lot of things have been lifted. And I think uh, for me personally, and I think other people who have had, you know, family members with substance abuse issues, you learn not to personalize it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a badge of shame or anything. It is what it is. It has. It's not a decision that you made. This person has fall for whatever reason has uh, become susceptible to this issue, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to, to do with you and your outlook and how you carry yourself in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. I mean, as, as someone who like grew up going to private school and, you know, these really well to do environments at the time, it was always I don't even know if it was conscious, but I was like always trying to make sure outside of the otherness that they could actually see, Mm -hmm. like it stopped there. Like anything that would make me an other that wasn't readily apparent. Let me try to keep that as hidden as possible. And I think it really was not in until I got into my thirties where I really embraced all the parts of my, my story, um, our story and, and how those things have really contributed to who I am. And it's not, a scarlet letter, you know, it's right. not this 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 dirty thing that has got to be kept a secret. I think there are certain things that I don't discuss because it impacts 
other people besides us. Right. right? So there are things, you know, you got to use a certain level of like decorum and discretion. Um, but I've I've learned to embrace the story for what it is. Right. And there are certain aspects to my personality. There are certain aspects to your personality that you don't get without the story. That's it, very true. It's just, you know, so who I've become as a person, a lot of it is as a direct result of just some not so great things that I've right. experienced and, and witnessed. And I think sometimes people wonder why <laughs> some folks just have so much grit and, and like mental fortitude. They just have no idea. Like you have no idea experience behind the scenes. And I mean, we've had people on the show who like have a bit of a more idyllic upbringing Two parents, you know, parents were educated and, you know, they just kind of followed the blueprint and we celebrate them, too. I'm always going to celebrate black, black folks who, who right. were raised without trauma uh, and just had like a normal have a normal story. That is amazing because we're we're not a monolith. So I think that's right. great. And it's why we choose to highlight those stories as well. Everything is not about struggle, um, but there are ties that bind a lot of us. Right. And I think you you highlighted something. Another thing, because you have some people who say, oh, people are ashamed to talk about certain things. It's like there's not necessarily a shame there, but you got to be respectful. Like these stories are intertwined with other people and loved ones and you don't want to set them off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, certain some things need to be talked about, but you have to have respect and appreciation and love for family members and be careful how you broach certain topics, because it's like, yo, once this camera cut off, this microphone cut off, and this is out in the world, like I got to see these people. I got right. to live with them. And they may feel attacked. I may be telling the truth, but it may be something that they take offense to that the world knowing you throwing out there. So it's something that some people are more comfortable with others, but I love my family. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, we are moving towards a culture uh, of being more open mm-hmm. and kind of speaking your truth. And this gen, those Gen Z is their next level with that. But I think up to our generation, black culture specifically is shrouded in secrecy. I mean, you you learn very early what happens in this house stays in this house. So with that being said, you may have gotten free for lack of a better term, right? You may have gotten to the point where you feel like you can freely speak about your story, but there are folks who still live under that. Like what goes on in this family, what goes on in this community remains here. You don't tell people on the outside. And, you know, we've had a couple of instances where people come on the show and let loose. And they're like, man, I feel so, so much lighter that I got that off my chest. And then we're like, you sure you want us to hear that was great. Yeah. It was amazing. For us, we, it would be great. But yeah, we're, the sure? worst, we're the worst show ever because people done said some things on this show that would set their episode off. And we done been like, after you hit that stop button, been like, you sure you want to put that out there? Man. Like, you you sure? Because once that is out there, you can't take that back. We have, we have sacrificed what it could have been some viral moments <laughs> just to keep people's families intact for sure. And in the moment, people are like, nah, nah, like, because they're amped up, right? We we create, this is what I love about this show. The December 26th Caps podcast encourages candor. It encourages people to speak their truth, shed the weight, shed the baggage, and tell their story. So oftentimes, when we first press stop and we try to encourage people to be like, you sure? We encourage them to really rethink what they said. Most of the time in the moment, they're like, nah, no, nah. Keep and it. Then, then I get that phone call like three hours later, like, y'all, I, I was I was wilding talking about blah, blah, da da da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to. Can you take that out? Like, I, you know, I, you know, I ain't talking to my family about it. You know, my coworkers might listen. You know what I'm saying? So I just need you to take whoop de whoop out. Yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know that we will ever be a live show for that reason, because people get so comfortable and they just start to purge and it's it's great, right? I encourage that people just really being honest about what they've experienced. But um, man, that that blowback you could potentially get from family and anybody else impacted is real. Honesty is important, being true, but like I don't know, it's just it's reason why they have PR teams for certain things. Like it, like sometimes the world or other people ain't ready for certain honesty. Oh yeah, as much as we've spoken about on this show, I'm very strategic about what is disclosed. Yeah, you're really good at saying a lot and nothing at the same time. <laughs> Listen, I'd be like talking and be like, oh, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I probably should be quiet about <laughs> this. 
Because I just know it's, it's things that impact me, that impact you, but there are there's a whole cast of characters out, outside of here um, as well. So listen, at, at some point, you heard it here first, I, I plan on having biopic one day. Hopefully dark dark comedy, because that's just the way I live my life. I find levity in everything. But there would be some things, be it in a memoir or in that film that come out uh, about my stories uh, particularly. But right now, I got to keep it in the vault. Uh, nope. <laughs> Gotta keep it in the vault. So we like totally went in a different direction than I anticipated. But is there anything else you want to discuss? Nope. That's it. <laughs> I don't. I don't have. Uh, I don't. Uh, there's nothing in the front of my mind. Whatever. I know we jotted some things down, but I feel like that was a good conversation. Cool. Well, listen. Um, feels good to be back to extraordinary occurrences. For sure. I am slowly, slowly, slowly finding uh, my rhythm again after a couple of weeks of celebrating my birthday and taking some time off. A lot of introspection that has happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, We could talk about that at another time because that's a whole lot. That's a whole episode in and of itself uh, as well. But (laughs) here we are on to the next my next personal chapter. But the show as well, we're thinking about some things, batting around some ideas um, about what the rest of this year looks like. But yeah, it, it feels good to, to sit back across the mic. Feels good to be home. Yeah, let's curls are back. Had the fly blowout for a couple of weeks. We're back to the regularly scheduled program. For sure. So if you have enjoyed this episode, this conversation, you guys really seem to get into our banter back and forth. And for me, I guess we talk so much. It feels like kind of random, but you all love it. So as long as you love it, we're going to keep doing it. But if you love it, tell somebody else about it. Like, share, subscribe comment, forward it to someone else. We're starting to see the shares. We can see that you guys are sharing the IG and social media content. We appreciate that. I wonder who it is that's forwarding these videos. We appreciate (laughs) you um, taking the time to push this content to other people that you feel might be uh, might be able to benefit from it. And thank you so much for rocking with us. And one last nod to Genius Documentary, a docu-series. Shout out to our own personal raucous records. The people who see where we will end up years from now, even when it gets rough and we're tired and we don't feel like doing this, you are the ones who keep us going because you have a vision for us, it seems like sometimes greater than we have for ourselves. So thank you so much for supporting the show and supporting us and continuing to encourage us and making sure that we don't quit no matter what. We appreciate you. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? As usual, I think you said it all. There it is. Listen, after you finish liking, sharing, commenting and all that great stuff, you know what to do. Remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 